sucks. Let's see here. Birdland BS Podcast, huh? Let's give that a try. Welcome back, podcasters. Oh, sound, hello there. I think we probably sound a little bit better this week, huh? Probably just a little bit. <laughs> if you guys have uh, been tuning in the past couple of weeks, we've been coming to you live and on tape from Bateman's, uh, which I'm sad to say I don't have a plate full of wings in front of me right now. <laughs> Even if you did, you wouldn't be eating them. No, no. You'd be talking be a whole eating. bunch and I'd be eating all the wings, just enjoying my... My winginess, and you'd be sitting there sad, talking about Orioles and stuff. Yeah, you're pretty good at stuffing your face with that kind of thing. I am. I would be on my third plate of wings by now. <laughs> so what's up, man? What uh, What's new in the tally world? Anything? Uh, not a ton. Nope. Mm, uh, let's see here. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's same old, same old now. Back to, you know, no, the work... Uh, no what? No upgrades to the uh, the Matmobile? <laughs> no, I decided against that, man. Like I, like, I had all these plans for my car, and it was just like, I looked at the numbers, and it was like, if I put two grand into my car, then I'd have a super cool car. But I don't know if I could just, I don't know if I could justify spending two grand on my car if I intend on only keeping it for, like, five more years. Um Really? Other other than like re- like repairs and replacements and things that are necessary, um, when it comes to like modifications or making it pretty, I don't really need to do that. That was strictly what that cost was was making it look pretty and tires. Yeah. Um. So, I just like you know what? There are so many other things that I could be putting that money towards, and um, more about those things will probably come to light and we'll probably talk about those uh next week's podcast on the week after but uh yeah so i just decided against it i uh i got myself uh some black and lime green uh seat covers because my seats are kind of crappy i got some black and lime green uh floor mats and a matching steering wheel cover and uh I'm getting my brakes and my rotors uh, fixed this week, so I think I'm just going to uh, repaint my calipers like that same lime green. And that'll just be kind of the theme, is black and lime green. And uh, I'll leave it at that. You know, I just, I, I just want a, a car that I can be happy with um, that doesn't look like a piece of crap, and I don't need to take it to a level that is uh, probably uh, a little first-worldy, first-world problemsy. Yeah, well, like you said, you've got bigger fish to fry and bigger things uh, on the agenda to worry about. Like, I'm sure buying a house is uh, something up on that high on the priority list. It is. It Uh, is. It is on there. Absolutely. It is is in my MySpace top eight. (laughs) But before uh, before we get too wrapped up in anything... um, I think we should just take a second and address the uh, the situation going on in Houston uh, sure. right now. Uh, a lot of a lot of people 
uh, or without homes. Uh, it's a really bad situation. I mean, there's there's areas where there's 20 foot of water. I don't know if you've seen these pictures. I mean, it's it's something out of a a bad sci-fi movie, you know, where the water is literally as high as the highway street signs. Like I kid you not, the water is all the way to the street signs. It's uh, it's unreal. Uh, it's a really sad situation. I think the death toll now is up to six or seven that I last I heard. Um, and to see the video of these people, you know, that they just lost their houses and they're walking in the streets with their kids, you know, with really no direction of of where to go and what to do next, um, you know, it really puts it into perspective how lucky we are. You know, and a situation like that can can really decimate you know your life. Yeah, it can it can flip you on on your head in a second. You know, a lot of you know state and local governments didn't give any mandatory evacuation orders, and they kind of left their people high and dry. That was probably I not the that. best term for the situation, but. <laughs> Uh, the opposite of high and dry, low and extremely, extremely wet. Um, they're they're advising you know people to not go into their attics. You know it may be the highest room in your house, but what happens if your entire house floods up at that point? You would have to swim through your house in order to get out of it. So they're saying if you have to get to a high source, you have to get onto your roof and wait for you know helicopters to come and or boats or, or what have you to come and, and rescue you. Uh, there's so many pictures go of just like just people just kind of seemingly like living their life as if this isn't happening. Like I'm sure that you saw the picture of the nursing home where it's like these yeah. older people are just sitting there. One lady's crocheting. They're just right. waiting for a rescue boat. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. So yeah, our hearts definitely go out to all those people. And I'm sure there are people uh, you know, they have family out there. They have friends out there. They're in our they're in our prayers for sure. I know that I I know a few people out there, and it's uh, they're luckily they're they're taken care of. But uh, yeah, rough situation for sure. Yeah, and it, being that this is a sports show, and we kind of tie it all together, um, I don't know if you've heard with J.J. Um, Watt and the the Houston Texans and what they've done to start fundraising. Um, for relief down there. I know JJ himself has donated over a hundred thousand dollars, uh, to the relief. And I think he had a goal of 200,000, which was met in like an hour. Yeah, I'm sure Um, it was. He, um, and I think they upped it to 500,000 is what I heard last, but I wouldn't uh, be surprised. Yeah, and he, uh, he actually came out and said that he doesn't think that they should play the game at all, uh, because they're playing Dallas this week for their final preseason game. And, um, he says that they don't think they should play the game at all. They should be doing everything they can to either fundraise or go out, you know, and help out with the Red Cross or, or what well, have you. But uh, I think they actually ended up moving it to Arlington. I did hear him mention that uh, he's trying to partner uh, with the NFL on making that game about the uh, about a fundraiser for the uh, okay for the victims where I know the NFL has already said that they're going to contribute, I think a million dollars to the cause. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's, like I said, it's just a really, really sad situation. And, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago that Katrina 
you know, affected everybody in, in New Orleans and, and uh, Sandy and it. New Jersey and New York and right, right. It's, it's just, uh, it, you know, it's it seems like every other year it's either in the south or it's in you know the northeast. Uh, we've been fortunate to never really have, you know, obviously we've we've had hurricanes in the past, but we've never had to deal with anything, at least to my knowledge, of that proportion. Uh, you know, locally uh, during hurricanes, you know, some of our lower level cities have been, you know, lower sea level cities that are near, near rivers and things like that, like Ellicott City. What was it the year before last? Uh, right. Things like that. So, yeah, it's a, like I said, a sad situation. Um Let's try to turn that frown upside down. Sure. <laughs> and uh, would you think of the GOT finale, Game of Thrones? I mean, I thought it was the uh, the best episode of the season. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I uh, you and I are on different levels when it comes to this. I am, I am for consistency across the board. And I think that they are just, you know, packing as much into episodes now. And it's cool. Like, it's, it's not it's not like it's not awesome. But right. I like Game of Thrones for the story and, like, the intrigue and, you know, not just all the cool action and watching people die or watching dragons blow things up. Um, I think it's a, a compelling story. And I think the so- story... Uh, because of the lack of time left uh, on, in the series, they've been kind of, you know, cutting corners and, and, and really taking this story away from the action. So, I mean, I, I think that they've been kind of compensating for just how cool things have been. But I don't know, man. I, uh, I feel like uh, ever since, you know, last season, last season, the... Um, was was all new territory for them because that was right. all of last season there's no book for that all of this season there's no book for that uh so they're going strictly off of what george R. R. martin has told them and you know some things are going to be the same some things aren't but they have to in some way adapt what he has told them to fit their own narrative and their own storyline and i think they're trying to do that the best that they can but they're not George R. R. Martin. They just they can't write as good a story as him. So, so I think right. we're missing some things that he would have done. Um, and you know, I think we we saw it through this season. You know, here comes a spoiler alert. Last night we got, you know, we we got the 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 execution of Littlefinger, and that was awesome. We've all been waiting for that. But he was the first, right. you know, really cog in the wheel to die this season. And it was the last yeah. episode. Like, who else died? Nobody. You know, all minor well, characters. That's, um, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you about the show and, and the way it kind of left you. You know, Tormund was at the top of the wall when the dragon yeah, Tormund started and... shooting its butane flame uh, yeah. at the at the ice. And uh, I guess it's safe to assume that, that he's dead. That, you know, I I mean, there's I no think way so. in hell. I don't no? think so because it collapsed in front of him as if like that was the he was at the edge of where it collapsed. Uh, so my assumption is that he and Beric Dondarrion are still alive. Okay, I that feel was like one if of the I questions th- I had about it, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And I I don't read the books. I've never read the books. So kind of going off of what you said, for I feel like a lot of people that read a sh- you know read books about a show and then when the show comes out there's always people that complain that say oh you know the 
the show didn't go follow the same storyline as the books or yeah, they, and, rushed, and, they rushed through things and that kind of thing. And for me, as just a show fan, I don't, I'm not a, a reader unless it's sports related. Um, I personally think it's gone great. Um, and I, I, the only, you know, again, I don't get into it as deep as you do. And spoiler alert, obviously we found out a lot uh, this week with, you know, the introduction to uh, Aegon, what is it, Aegon Targaryen now? Dude, you are so slow on the upkeep. That was the season finale of last year that they confirmed that John was Well, no, 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 they they confirmed the mother. No, and the father. They confirmed R plus L equals J, which has been a fan theory since before the show even existed, so that Rhaegar and Lyanna had a baby together. And they confirmed that, you know, like, when Ned Stark goes into into the tower and finds his sister and she's there and she gives him the baby, she whispers his name is, and then it kind of fades out. You can't hear what she says. This is last season, mind you. Right. Um, Right. And she says, promise me, if Robert ever finds out, he'll kill him. Is what she says, Robert Baratheon, her ex-husband at that point. Right. Um, so, I mean, truthfully, I've I've only read the first book. I haven't read all the other books. To me, it's oh, okay. good. To me, when it comes to uh, story, you can you can go without you know outside the realms of normal time, and you know people are like, well, there's dragons. Who cares about the timing and things like that? You're right to an extent, but. This show has shown us like uh, a typically a fortnight is uh, is a term that they use a lot. And that's it's usually about two weeks time. And this show at the beginning of the series, if someone were to take a fortnight to get somewhere, you'd see them leave. You would not see them the next episode, but you would see them the third episode. So it literally took two weeks for you to see that character again. It like right. the, the time was in uh it was relative to itself and now they're just like oh it'll take a fortnight to get there next scene they're there like wait (laughs) where did those two weeks go because you just said it was going to take a fortnight that's two weeks what happened in those two weeks obviously nothing exciting i guess but still like it used to be that you know in that time other things would happen so now it's like they're just trying to cram everything in and it is what it is for for time's sake and it but uh I like it when things are relative to themselves and they're not doing that anymore because, again, they're just trying to get as much in as humanly possible. And I can understand that from a from a budget perspective and from a money perspective. I just yes. kind of wish I kind of just wish that they would have negotiated a ninth season. Speaking if they would have done of, that, they would have had a lot of time, a lot more time to do all of these cool things and add story to it. Well, speaking of budget, I had kind of found out one little gem today that I wasn't aware of. Did you know that the main characters, and you know who they are, uh, all make $500,000 per episode? I believe it. Per episode. So, I mean, a 12-episode season, they're all making $6 million per. That's awesome. Right. So you wonder Uh, why they've got to jam so much into so little episodes. You know what I mean? These guys are making ridiculous money. Yeah, they have, Um, what, nine or ten, like, reoccurring main characters. That's sixty right. million dollars just on their salary, right? Exactly. Um, 
So all right, for, that, for us, that, for us slower, for us slower fans of Game of Thrones, and trust me, because see, I I talk to an entire staff of people at work that watch this show, and I feel like I'm like the source of knowledge about this show, which says like nothing. <laughs> you know, when you talk to some of these people, they they know nothing about the show, even though they watch. You it know nothing, Jon Snow. Right. So if I followed it correctly, right? So okay. John is his name is Aegon Targaryen. Correct. correct? All right. So John is really Danny's nephew, and that's yes. because John's father is Rhaegar Targaryen, which is his old, which is Danny's older brother. Correct. And his mother is Lyanna Stark, which is Ned's sister. Correct. So Ned really had no biological connection to John. Or Rhaegon or, uh, well, at all. Well, he's 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 John's uncle. Other than he's his uncle, right? But right. I'm saying he had no. Okay. Um, so with all that said, it, it, doesn't that mean that John's the rightful heir to the throne? That's exactly what it means. And okay. and and as spoiler alert, as as Danny and John are getting it, like that was that to me is the most Game of Thronesy. Uh, ending that there could have been where it was like you see liana and rhaegar you know and they're falling in love and it turns out that they had a baby together and as bran is explaining the fact that danny is john's aunt they're just in a boat getting it on it's like oh it's so game of thrones like (laughs) uh, like so game of thrones like and i just think it's like it's kind of funny how game of thrones has changed and warped the minds of its viewers because you got to remember what first season, episode one or two, Bran's climbing the tower and he sneaks up on Cersei and Jamie getting it on, and every fan is like, "Oh, that's disgusting! That's the worst thing!" And Dude, every time- Bran has seen like every important sex scene in this show. <laughs> He's he like was- been there to witness every important <laughs> oh, sex true. scene. That's <laughs> true. And, and and every time since then, every time we ever see Jamie and Cersei together, we're like, oh, that's so disgusting. But the minute Danny and John get it on, we're like, yay, kiss. <laughs> so like and and Jamie, the, this guy who tried to murder a kid and bangs his sister by the by this season, we're like, Jamie's probably up there on my favorite character. Yeah, I actually kind of <laughs> like Jamie yeah. to the point where I really was like, if Cersei fucking kills him, I'm going to kill her. Like, I was. I really I was, thought I was super I, worried. Yeah, I mean, he even pulled a sword out and everything the the night. Yeah, you heard him like pull it, like discharge it, and then he just walked past. Him, was like, I don't believe you. Yeah, walk walk right down. I'm like, okay, at least he's still alive. So, I mean, there's a, there's going to be a lot uh, going into next season. Next season might be uh, a little later than normal seasons, just because of uh, the filming and the way that they're going about everything. And I've already had a lot, like heard a lot of fans like, oh, I can't wait. 2019, that's so unfair. And anybody right. that watches a British television show, whether it's Doctor Who or Sherlock, knows this pain because British TV is so much different than American TV. What? Because because there's so few actors. Like, think about every British actor. They're always in, like, multiple things at once. Like, oh, right. Benedict Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange, but he's... Also Sherlock at the same time. Um, so they they are so few and far between that it is completely common for British shows to just go off the air for two years. 
like your favorite show. Oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing. Okay, we'll see you in two years and we'll film season four. Yeah, like, but like us we're Americans, not, we're spoiled. It's, yeah, exactly. So I, uh, I'm not too worried about uh, waiting that long. And the reason behind it is, is there has been uh, some rumors going around that I think you may be excited about this. Um, Blizzard, the the company that developed uh, Skyrim and the Elder Scrolls, uh, they're a video game company. They, uh, uh, I was gonna say, I thought they sounded familiar. They they're they're rumored to be releasing two uh, video games sometime in the next year or so, and the 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 top contender and the top rumor is that they may be releasing releasing a Game of Thrones video game. Huh. Which yeah, would be, be super awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'd be I'd super be interested. interested in that. Um, I'm sure it would be a lot like their other games. You're a knight and you you know go on quests and you know kill monsters and and all that stuff um but to be game of thrones themed would be super dope um yeah. so i uh i'm okay with the wait i think that it'll be worth it what i'm ultimately hoping and i would pay money for this is that they do because every episode next season is supposed to be like an hour and 30 an hour and 45 minutes right i, I would kind of want them to do it like in theaters like I would go every Ooh, week. I would too. I would go but to I a wonder, movie theater. I wonder if their movie con- or their or if their contract with HBO pays them better than what a movie movie theater contract would. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and I know that early on in the series, that was a consideration was to like make the last two episodes of the series a movie. Uh, huh. So. Maybe that's interesting. Maybe that's Never why really it's taking so long. Maybe that's why it's taking so long. Maybe they'll they'll do that. I don't I don't know. Uh, so we will we'll see. It was uh, it was a good week for Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, let's was, move was, on. We're twenty two minutes in, on, and we've done nothing but talk about Game of Thrones. Who cares? Who cares about <laughs> sports? We are we are a sports show, but uh, before we get into the local stuff, uh, the the, uh, the big sporting event of the week was the uh, the fight, uh, yes, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Um, I'll say I I spent the hundred bucks on it. I had a few friends over. We uh, kicked back in the cave and watched it. And uh, I, at the end, you know, I, I wasn't bitching about spending a hundred dollars on it. I was uh, sure. I was entertained. Uh, you know, it was, I kind of went into it with, you know, the, the, the outlook that if Conor McGregor makes it past three or four rounds and that's a win for McGregor. Uh, but as the fight kind of went on, I right away could see what Floyd was doing and Floyd from the get go said, all right, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to block everything that this guy throws at me and I'm going to let him get all of his energy out of the way. And then when this guy is done and tired because he's only used to going, you know, three rounds or five rounds, I think it's 25 minutes total for a UFC fight. Uh, Once we get past that mark, then I'll attack. And that's what he did. And, you know, I mean, it it was entertaining because Connor did hold his own, you know, he, in the first two rounds, he, he seemed to have the heavy hand where he was, you know, landing some good punches. But after about the third round, I mean, his 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 punches weren't 
I mean, were next to nothing. Like he had right. no he was, power behind. He anything. was landing them square on the jaw, right on the face, and and Floyd wasn't even blinking. No, I mean it had it had no power behind it at yeah. all. Um, and then you saw it like about the seventh round is where Floyd kicked it into high gear and started to really go in the attack, and that's when you know uh, McGregor started to get a little wobbly legged and. You know, of course, as soon as the uh, the ref calls the fight, he's ah, oh, just I'm fatigued. That's all it is. It's fatigue, and, dude. You were uh, two seconds away from being on the mat. Yeah, uh, you, I mean, you know, you went a solid two minutes in, or well, minute and a half in that round without defending a punch and without throwing a punch. You were just getting hit all over the place. Yeah, I mean, and then what was it after? You know, after the fight, you know, Mayweather told him like, don't. Don't try to don't try to keep this going. Like it's over, you know. We we did what we did. You fought hard. You want to like, you know. I'm forty some years old. You're a young guy. You're going to be fighting again. Right. Don't don't screw yourself by you know doing something that could impede you from from being in a fight. You know, six or seven months down the road. You know, whereas you know if you if you keep going, you may not fight for another two years. Right. Because, you know, I may, you know, land a hit that, you know, does serious damage because you're flailing all over the ring. Uh, right. Plus, I don't know if you know this, you just made $100 million. No, no, no. Uh, after they did the, the calculations with um, pay-per-view, Floyd walked away with $300 million No, I was Floyd. talking about Connor. Oh, okay. Like, I got you. I, like, chill out, bro. I understand you lost, but you just made $100 million. Right. Well, no wonder he was fucking smiling after the fight. Who cares, he was. Man. They both were. Right. He's like, I got a few bruises on my face. He's like, but I'm a hundred dollar, hundred million dollar richer. Uh, and Floyd's and Floyd's like, I'm not going to jail because I can pay my taxes. Right. But you know that uh, what I thought was kind of funny, I heard this on a radio station. So, you know, don't quote me on this. But what the, what I heard was with this three hundred million dollars that Floyd made, he's the first uh, American athlete to be a billionaire based off of his sports earnings meaning like michael jordan might be a billionaire because of his shoe company and because of his endorsements and that kind of thing but just based off of his boxing career alone he is a billionaire wow pretty impressive it's super impressive yeah i mean he's the worst human being ever but like that that's the one thing that i like i can't get past with all of this is like I've heard so many people go, oh, man, you know, it was such a crazy fight and they talked so much smack beforehand and I didn't really know what to think of them. And I kind of thought Connor was annoying. But you know who I really came out with respect for is Floyd Mayweather. Are you freaking kidding me right now? You came out with respect for Floyd Mayweather because what? Why? Why did you come out with respect for him? What did he do to he did what he always does that he's he's Floyd Mayweather. Like he he is a wife beater. He is a terrible dude. He is a awful human being. Yeah. Uh, and he did nothing to like somehow fix his reputation. What I would love to see after this is Floyd Mayweather like say, you know what, I'm done with boxing. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. Uh, I'd like to do something to you know to, to right those mistakes, whatever that may be. Yeah, take a take fifty million of the three hundred million that you just won exactly. and donate it to like an abuse, you know, a domestic violence, you know. Exactly, I completely some kind yeah, of campaign. That, that, absolutely, I think that he needs to do something like that. 
just because, I mean, yeah, it was but a, he won't. a, he's a while back. Right, he's Floyd Mayweather. He likes to carry around a backpack full of money, filled with money. Right. He throws money up in the air, you know, just for fun. So whatever. He's still a piece of garbage human being. Um, whereas Connor, you know, I, I people are like, you know, I lost a lot of respect for Connor during this whole thing. Why? What did you? Right. Connor, he's he has done what Connor has always done. He's always been a loud mouth. But you right. know what? He's always backed it up. And I can't, never, you know, I can't hate on the never, guy. The guy, the guy self-promoted himself. He self-promoted the fight. And you know what? He just made more money in one fight than he would have made in about six or seven fights combined in right. UFC. You know, do you know his story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He came from absolutely I see, nothing. I had, I had no idea. Yeah, he was homeless. Yeah. He met he met his, I don't know if she's his girlfriend now or his wife now, but he met her and she gave him a place to stay and said, you know what, you know, just, just be healthy. And he told her he always wanted to be a boxer. Um, so she like did everything she could just to like pay for healthy food and bo- you know, boxing lessons for him while he worked his ass off, right. um, as a, as a plumber. Yep. And then he started fighting and became this, you know, phenomenal success that he, and there she is like ringside. Yep. Like he, he did. It's not like he forgot about her. Like he got what he needed and then he like, you know, pushed her to the wayside and found some supermodel like, th- like Conor McGregor is a loud mouth sob but but you know a lot of that is showmanship a lot of that exactly is, is to yes. sell to it's it's all a character yeah exactly i mean it's, you it's, saw it's like him. wrestling it's all a character it's a, it's all entertainment it's all right a big caricature to you know to be entertaining if you if you pay close enough attention after every single one of his fights he'll go right up to the guy you know that he just fought and that he's been running his mouth about for the past, you know, six months or however long it is to promote the fight. And, you know, much respect and, you know, glad you're all right. And blah, blah, blah. And he's just a, I don't know. I just think he's an all around good dude. Yeah, and, I think so too. Uh, and don't tell me for one second that Floyd and Connor during, you know, the whole press tour and everything weren't texting each other going, hey, you know, you got to say this about me. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you, know, you know they were like Connor with that pinstripe suit that had the you know the diamonds on it. Like, hey, look real closely; they're diamonds. Make fun of that. Like, right. You you know that they were doing that. You, it, it was all a money grab, and you know the real winner of this fight was capitalism. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. House always wins, and and the house won this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on to more popular, uh, less egregious sports. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we should uh, talk a little bit about uh, the Ravens and and what's been going on with them lately. Uh, there's a couple of uh, stories uh, in the news surrounding the the, the Ravens today. Matter of fact, um, mm-hmm. the Ravens extended John Harbaugh one more year through the 2019 season. Is that optional? Um, because that surprised me a lot. Well, what do you mean optional? Can they? Like, does can the they team choose- have a way out of it? Yeah. Um, I don't think so. Um, so he's the coach like, next year. Yeah, he's definitely the. I mean, but look, you, you got to understand, right? So the guy, the guy is ninety five and sixty four in his career here. I mean, he's going into his tenth year now. He's one of the NFL's longest tenured head coaches in a league where there is so much turnover with head coaches. It's not like it used to be 
back in the 60s and the 70s where you had coaches that were around 10, 15, sometimes even 20 years, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm not saying it from that, from, from that perspective, because I really like John Harbaugh. I think he's a good coach. Um, I have a lot of respect for him both as, you know, a coach and as a human being, but, um, that doesn't mean Baltimore does Baltimore. You know how Baltimore is, you know, when, when losing is, is the uh, common denominator, they are the angry mob. And, uh, last year they were calling for his job and the year before they were calling for his job. And, uh, it seemed like he was on the hot seat, especially last year, you know, injuries aside, injuries is a part of football. And you have to find a way to manage around that. And there are teams that have learned how to manage around that. And you see that throughout the National Football League. And, and that's not something that it's not an excuse. Um, but, you know, he's 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 dealt with that for the last, you know, two, two to three years is a lot of injuries and a lot of loss of players. And, you know, one would think that at some point they're going to have to get, you know, get over that, you know. Like, yeah, we get that injuries are a part of it, but. Right. No, I mean, I agree with you. And I, and I think there are a lot of fans out there, unfortunately, that are, you know, what have you done for me lately type thing? They don't forget. They don't they, they quickly forget uh, however many years it was in a row that we went to the playoffs and right. we're in contention every single year. Yeah. I mean, these these past couple of years have been, you know, a little down. Uh, and especially to our expectation because we are spoiled with good football play. Um, but the thing is that like, you do have to take all that into consideration. The amount of, the amount of injuries that they've had this year already is absurd. I mean, you, there's no other team that has had the kind of injury problems that this team has had. And that you cannot put that on a head coach uh, because you have to work within the restraints of your your roster. You have to work in the restraints of your salary cap. And to be a competitive team, you have to be pretty damn close to up against the cap, which they are year in and year out. And when you have a mass of injuries like this, uh, it really can put a damper uh, on your team especially at some of the more critical positions like quarterback and, and, you know, Flacco still hasn't been out there and practicing yet. And although John Harbaugh did say yesterday that uh, he promises he'll be there for week one against Cincinnati, you still worry. I mean, that's your key position. If you don't have a quarterback in this league, I don't care who you are. You're not going to be a contention. You're not going to be a contender. (laughs) Unless you're the new England Patriots. Yeah, but even them, if they were Dude, to lose, they went, they went four and zero without Tom Brady last year, and they and they did it well with who was who was uh, who, who Garoppolo obviously, and right. uh, but Garoppolo went down. Who was the other? What's the other guy's name? Um, uh, I can't third remember. string, their like black they, guy. I yeah. can't think of his name. I forget what his name is. Bristle or but, something. I don't know. Brissett something. Jacob Jacoby Brissett. Right. That's it. Yeah, and that guy. That guy. You know. He looks like a superstar when, you know, when uh, when he's behind that offensive line. Okay, but you're also talking about one of the greatest head coaches in NFL history. Okay, so right, I'm just saying get on his level. Well, yeah, that that's one out of 32 head coaches. Are you think you're going to fire John Harbaugh and find the next Bill Belichick? Good luck. You never know. 
Good luck. But speaking of injuries, that's <laughs> that's the other thing in the in the headlines with the Ravens today. Uh, they announced that linebacker Albert, um, Albert McClellan is out for the year with a torn ACL. I think this one's going to hurt him more than they expect. Uh, he, to me, is an extremely underrated player, undervalued. He's a really good tackler. He's a smart player. Um, and right now with the question marks around inside linebacker with uh, Kamale Correa, um, now you really, really are thin at that position, losing Albert McClellan. Uh, and it's like I said, against the cap, uh, they really can't go out and pick anybody up that's going to be of any kind of value and really help this team. Um, so if there's any weak spots, I would say, on this defensive side of the ball, uh, it's going to be inside linebacker. It's a tough one to lose. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, injuries, uh, who was who was I reading about? I mean, you know what? I wasn't thinking of injuries. I was thinking of the first game of uh, the season against Cincinnati. Did you hear about Pontez uh, Perfect? Yeah. Um, all right. So give me a minute. Let me go on a little rant here. About, oh, boy. About Perfect. Okay. He's still a fucking dick. Yeah, that's true. He's suspended for five games for his hit on the Chiefs player the other night. Uh, He's going to appeal it, of course. Look, people want to bitch about how many games he's getting. I've already heard this. I heard this on the the way. I was getting so aggravated um, (laughs) listening to people talk on the radio on my way home uh, with people complaining about him getting five games versus, you know, Josh Brown, who was, you know, a wife abuser, you know, a punter. He was, and he got one game or whatever, you know, they're comparing it to all these other shit. Do you not realize how many times this guy has hit people illegally that could have cost somebody their career? You know, for Ravens fans, it should be pretty fresh. He did it last year to tight end Max Williams. And the year before, he did it to Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown. And that's just the name of few. This guy is a punk. He plays like a punk. The Bengals are a punk organization for hanging on to a guy like this. He is bad for the team. Hell, he's bad for the league. Uh, I I cannot stand that guy. There's my rant. Tell me how you really feel. Yeah, I, I really cannot stand that guy. I have not, I could not stand him from day one. And you know what's funny about that is the Ravens had him pretty high on their draft board, uh, comparatively to everybody else. They had him in like a fourth or fifth round on their board, right? And I was high on him because he was good uh, in in college at Arizona State. Um, but there was these off field issues that the Ravens said, you know what? Let's, this was around, I think, not around the Ray Rice situation. There was another situation going on in the NFL, I can't remember at the time, that was around domestic violence. I said, nah, we'll pass on this guy. Nobody drafted him. The Bengals took a shot and a waiver on him. My thing is, you you know, you you do it once, shame on me. Do it twice. You know, it's and he's done it so many times now. This guy does not deserve to be in the league. I don't care how good of a player he is. All right. Well, uh, moving on. <laughs> well, it, yeah. It's like I said, I I, I cannot stand that guy. I, it pisses me off. But um, regarding the Ravens, they are now three and zero in the preseason. 
Uh, wasn't too much to get excited about this week again on the offensive side of the ball. Would they win? I think thirteen and nine. I think was the final score. Oh, yeah, it was. It was something. Yeah, pathetic. Uh, listen, I am. I don't even know what to say to you and people like you when you tell me what you are in preseason. Like, come on, man. Like, do you really expect these teams to be playing this shitty? When it well, comes here's. To, I mean, it's not so much. It's not so much about the record that I'm worried like, about. Yeah, it's I'm a just. Cool, it's a cool gauge to see how like your rookies are gonna do, and like that I get and everything. But like, to me, like it's almost like a like a participation trophy. Like, none of the wins matter, and people can say that they do, but really yeah. they don't. It's it to me. It's more of a how do the rookies look? How do my guys that are coming back from injuries look? Uh, you know, how does, you know, this reorganized defense or reorganized off- offensive line look playing together? These are the important things that you see in preseason. Um, and I don't know that, you know, wins are necessarily a big, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? A big litmus test of how good a team is. No, um, and I, I 100% because agree because there you. are there are teams that will go 0-4 and, and in preseason and then win 12 games a season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, but I, I feel like what the preseason does for you is it really gives you an idea to the depth of the team. Right. And that's, that's one of the biggest question marks around this team in the past has been, well, if we get through, if we go through a rash, a rash of injuries, like we already have, how are our, you know, sec, how are our twos and our threes going to step up and play? And, you know, to to see the defense, not talking, the offense is what it is. It's been garbage for three games right now, and that's not going to change until all of our offensive linemen are out there playing and healthy and Joe's back under center. We're never, we're never going to see the real potential of the offense until that happens. But what is exciting is, is to see how good this defense has played on all three levels. The again, the first string, the second string, third string, all have been really, really good. Um, I, know, I agree. I just think that you know you're going to be cutting a lot of those guys anyway. You know, they're they're either going to be going to the practice squad or you know come two weeks from now they're going to be looking for a job somewhere else. Um, yes so. and no. I mean, again, we're dealing with a, a rash of injuries here where a lot of guys were are unexpectedly on injured reserve. There's going there has there's probably potential for maybe four undrafted free agents to make the roster. I'm not talking making the practice squad, making the actual opening day 53 man roster. That's unheard of. And these guys aren't just right place at the right time because, oh, there's an injury. I'm going to make this team. These guys have earned it. I mean, Jalen Hill, the guy I've been talking about these past two weeks, had another interception again this week. Uh, The kid can play ball. And this was the one I was telling you about that wasn't even signed. They brought him in on a tryout basis. Um, But he looks great. The kid undrafted running back out of uh, Virginia, uh, Smoke Mazel. He's been about the only thing uh, in the backfield that's looked remotely like a running back. Terrence West hasn't done shit. Danny Woodhead has been hurt. 
Buck Allen is Buck Allen. That's what you're going to get out of him. He's just garbage. Talia Alfaro, they've been trying to experiment with him a little bit at fullback. They have nothing. Mizell has been it, and he's an undrafted rookie out of Virginia. Um, and then you've got the which, kid. Which rec- that's a go – sorry, go ahead. Well, that that surprises me is the running back situation. That There, there are so many running backs – that, you know, we talked about uh, LaShawn McCoy what was it, the last week or the week before. There are so many running backs that that the Ravens and, and other teams that are struggling at the running back position right now, uh, maybe my Giants, uh, could <laughs> could go out and spend the money on. Like, you know, I know that there you know are cap issues and things like that, but I feel like the Ravens could find a, a enough money for a one-year deal for for a genuine number one running back and i'm and i'm wondering kind of why they haven't addressed that and they're just letting this island of misfit toys by committee it's not even like you know they have one island misfit toy leader it's like it's just this 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 group of the suicide squad of of running backs i mean i i agree with you uh to an extent but the thing is, Ozzy has always been good at evaluating other roster talent, and he's also been a very good evaluator of who's going to make a roster and who's not going to make a roster, right? So I really can't name a good, solid number one running back that's out there and available right now that's a free agent. Uh, the only one that really comes to mind may be D'Angelo Williams, uh, but even then, he's he's old, and you don't know what you're going to get out of him. Yeah, he had a halfway decent six weeks with Pittsburgh while they waited for you know Le'Veon Bell to come back, but you can't count on him for a full 16 game season. Um, so who I knows? Jam- Maybe I think Jam- I think Jamal Charles might be available in the next week or so. Well, that's what I'm saying. There are some players out there that might become available here in the next couple of weeks that who knows? The Ravens may may go out there and sign it. Running back, see, that is one of the positions that you can come in, learn a playbook really quickly and and not right. have to, you know, really spend too much time uh right. with the team. So I I think that there there may still be a move. Um, but I think this kid Mazel has earned himself a spot on the roster. Uh, and, and yesterday, or I'm sorry, Saturday, uh, was a first kind of uh, test for him catching the ball out of the backfield, which is going to be huge with you know Flacco because Flacco throws to his running backs all the time. And I think he had six catches for 50-some yards, including a 15-yard touchdown uh, from the kid Josh Woodrum, um, which Woodrum – finally got to play a little bit with the ones um didn't do anything too exciting but didn't do anything to hurt the team kind of like Trent Dilfer ish uh, I mean he didn't have great stats I think he was uh eight for 13 for 55 yards something along those lines but he had the one touchdown to Mizell um again I, I, and against a decent defense too Buffalo's got a good defense that's one thing that they do have um Ryan Mallett was about the same. So that, you know, you're going to get what you get out of the offense. But again, like I said, the defense has really, really impressed me. The depth of the defense has been superb. Um, And speaking of uh, inside linebacker, like I told you, um, probably going to be thin. The the uh, the guy, I want to say he's either in his second or third year with us, Pat Onwaser. 
doesn't get a whole lot of playing time. He's more of a special teams guy, but uh, he had a strip fumble and a touch or um, recovery to seal the game there, like with a minute left in the game. Um, so it's good to see him being productive because we're going to need him now with McClellan going down. Uh, so it's good to see some of these guys stepping up. Anything else for uh, Ravens news? Justin Tucker, stay the fuck off the football field. <laughs> At least until week one. Jesus Christ. I got. I was like, I was in the middle of uh, getting ready for the party and for fight night because the Ravens game and fight night were on the same night. And I'm at Target buying some stuff, and I get this text message, Justin Tucker is in concussion protocol. I'm like, really? We just fucking talked about this last week. Why didn't they not bring in a camp kicker to keep yeah, him off the field? Why aren't they listening to us? I mean, well, regardless, I mean, this 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 isn't like, you know, groundbreaking news. This isn't rocket science. Exactly. You should know this. Like, what would it cost you to bring in a fucking camp leg to get recognized, you know, recognized, maybe to pick on a job somewhere else to protect your multi-million dollar kicker? One of the best in the league to ever do it. But no, you run him out there and risk him every week on these bullshit preseason games. <sighs> All right, let's. Uh, anyway, let's, uh, I digress. Let's jump jump ship a little bit from uh, unless you have anything left for big football news. Uh, well, big football news. Uh, don't know if you heard, but Julian Edelman's out for the year after tearing yes. his ACL. And what's interesting about that is uh, Tom Brady, Julian Edelman is is his safety net. Um, I've I've they've been showing some stats of Tom Brady with versus without Julian Edelman. Yeah, Tom Brady not a good quarterback without Julian Edelman. Um, you know, like a passer rating of you know fifty to sixty, like just not good without him. He is you know he is a threat. He he clears that field. Um, and, and without him, you know, I'll be interested to see what kind of year Tom Brady has granted. He's going to have some newer receivers. He's got Brandon cooks out there. Um, I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, that is speaking of Brandon cooks. That is like the one thing that like, whenever I, I'm mock drafting cause I'm mock drafting every day. It's like, I always am so hesitant about Brandon cooks cause I've drafted him like so many years in a row. <laughs> he's always blown it when he's in new Orleans. Uh, so I'm hoping that he, he kind of has a good season uh, this season. I think he's uh, in store for a big year. And I think to fill the void of Edelman, I think you'll get uh, Amendola Hogan. and Hogan. Exactly. I, I was going to say that dude, he he came on really, really strong for Brady uh, the last few weeks of the year and through the playoffs uh, that I think he'll step up and have a much bigger role this year a la Edelman-type role. Uh, I don't think there'll be much of a fall off. I, I think. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I think uh, I think with the loss of Edelman uh, and you know some of the the constant injuries that have plagued Gronkowski, uh, right. if 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 one more of those guys goes down, I think we could uh, we could easily see, which I'm hoping for is a is a wrap on the friggin' Patriots making it to the playoffs again this year, or at least the Super Bowl. They might make it to the They'll playoffs. They'll be in still, the playoffs. As long as Tom the, Brady is under center, they will be in the playoffs. Yeah, Super Bowl, different story, but they will be in the playoffs. Exactly. 
Um, but I'm okay with that. You make the playoffs, do whatever you need to do. Uh, but just don't go back to the Super Bowl. I'm so sick of seeing you in the Super Bowl. I'm so <laughs> sick of watching Tom Brady hold that trophy. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah, good good news for football fans. Probably bad news for Patriots and people who care about other human beings. And uh, two of the worst teams in the NFL both uh, made their decisions today on who their starting quarterbacks are going to be moving forward. They did. Uh, the Cleveland Browns named their rookie quarterback from Notre Dame, Deshaun Kaiser, as their starter. Uh, Good for them. Which, you know that uh, that that kid's got a hell of an arm. Wait, Kaiser um, played Notre Dame. I thought Kaiser played Clemson. No, that's Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's in uh, Houston, which you're right, you're right, he you're won't right. be far behind him as far as. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, I think Savage will be on a very short leash. Uh, down I think there in so Houston. as well. Uh, and then the Jets named veteran Josh McCown their starter because who else are they going to fucking name their starter? <laughs> right. Are they going to bring true. Vinny Testaverde out of uh, retirement at 55? Yeah, and I guess uh, probably a better as, option. As long as we're on, uh, you know, terrible teams, uh, Blake Bortles was also announced, uh, I think, the day before yesterday as the week one starter for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, I, I'm still waiting for Tony Romo to sign there. Listen, one of those guys goes down. Listen, one of those guys goes down. Do that team is sh- so awful. Have you talk- have you watched Listen. the the uh, hard knocks at all with uh, with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No. Uh, well, they do like they've been doing these inner squad practices with the Buccaneers and the Jaguars together. The Jaguars are just so god awful. At every every phase of the game, offense, defense, best, they're awful. Tony Romo's never. It's a shame. It's a shame because they have they have good receivers and they have a good running back talent, but they have a terrible offensive line and they have a terrible defense and they have a terrible quarterback. They have a terrible guy calling calling all the plays. You know they got they have good. But you know who they, they do have really good running backs. They got Tom Coughlin. That's true, dude. Tom. When you're when um, you're opening day flyer and your opening day like team portfolio picture it has tom coughlin on it something's wrong when you're advertising tom coughlin as your like big piece of an organization he i mean he is a big piece of the organization he's probably past his prime yeah like 20 Um, years ago listen like four or five years ago (laughs) uh anyway take it Take it from yeah. Take it from a New York Giants fan, Tom Coughlin. Great. Uh, I think I feel like he'd be a great GM, a great owner, but he does not need to be calling plays anymore. <laughs> nah. But moving on, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit and let's let's talk uh, about uh, demos. Let's talk demos. about demos. Still giving us hope here. Yeah, I mean they uh, in the season coming off a huge series sweep of Boston in Boston. Yeah, uh, which means that they're sitting at 500 now for the first time in a long time at 65 and 65. Um, they start a three-game home series with the Mariners tonight. Uh, two back on the wild card with the Mariners, I think a game and a half back. Um, so it's a very important series, and one of which at home I'm hoping we can win. We lost two of three in Seattle uh, last week or two weeks ago. But uh, with Tillman on the hill tonight, you just never know what you're going to get. Although I'm watching it in the background right now, it's top They're of the up f- right now, right? Top of the fourth. The O's are winning three to one, two outs. 
uh, guy on first for Seattle. But, uh, hey, look, if, if Tillman can go six, uh, giving up this one run that he gave up, which was a solo shot, uh, that's a hell of a start for, for Tillman, and I feel good about our bullpen's chances with closing it down and, and winning tonight. So that would be uh, a huge win. Yeah, we'll see if it gets us there. I mean, when you look at the schedule uh, for the rest of the season – the rest of the season could very well put us in one or two of the wild cards. Uh, one of two of the wild card spots. Uh, you know, we got lots of games against New York. We uh, we just finished the series with Boston. I think we got uh, Tampa Bay coming up. I think yeah, I'm pretty sure Tampa Bay is on the schedule, and we have Seattle. All teams that are ahead of us. All teams that we could easily use to climb our way into the wild card uh, position. And, uh, you know, I like, I wish they wouldn't have done this. Like, I like it when I know what's going to happen in sports and I can kind of just pack it in for the season, you right. know, like season's shot. Let's watch football. But I hate it when this happens where it's like, Oh, anything could happen. Um, so we will, uh, we'll see. I, uh, I have hope. Well, here's the I thing. Have hope. What have, what have we been saying really since day one with this team? What's going to either get us there or prevent us from getting there? Pitching. Starting pitching specifically. Right. Right. So we win three games in Boston, and here's what happens. Friday night, we blow them out 16-3. to Jeremy Hellickson pitched seven innings, giving up two earned, striking out two. Um his ERA is now down to 5.46, which since he joined the team, which it was up in the seven. So he's progressing in the right direction. He's two and two, <laughs> two, and two on the uh, year since he came how, here. How sad is that, that we're, that you have a 5.6 ERA and we're like, good for you, buddy. He's progressing. You yourself on the back. Ugh. And it's Saturday, Kevin Gosman, he went seven and two thirds, not giving up a run, striking out five. And his ERA is now under five at 4.98. Uh, and he's ten and nine on the year. So again, Sad. another really, really good outing from Kevin Gosman. He's oh, can you not phrase it as really, really good? Seven and two thirds without giving up a run. That's about I as guess, good as it gets. Well, yeah, he he had a good outing. We'll we'll call it that. I was Dude, you just shut out still. the best team in baseball. Well, I best you team were in American about League. His ERA still, it's like four some. Ugh. And then Wade Miley uh, came in yesterday going five inning, which is what you're going to get from him. He doesn't right. go much more than five or six. Uh, but he only gave up one earned run. He struck out four, and his ERA is now 4.99. Uh, so two of our starting pitchers have now dipped below the uh, the old five-run ERA. So, But this is this is what I talk about. Like, this is how mediocre – the starting right. pitching needs to right. be in order for this team to be successful. And that's the problem. Yes. Our starting pitching staff can't even be mediocre consistently enough. Yes. And if they could just do that, this team can hit. There's no doubt about this team can score runs. You just got to be able to go four or five or six <laughs> innings and not give oh, up a man. dozen runs. I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly what I was about to say. Like, how. 
much does it say about your team, both good and bad, that you don't have to be good in order to for your team to right. win? You just you just have to not fuck up a whole bunch, right? It's well, it's kind of like the the Trent Dilfer on on the football side, right? Of it. Our just, defense is so good. Just don't turn the ball over. Just go out there and run the clock down. Get us nine points, and we'll win. Yes. I mean, that's that's basically what the the oh shit. There goes a three-run shot. It's now four to three, Seattle. God damn it! <sighs> I was just singing your praise, Tillman. Ugh, F word. <laughs> well, there goes Where that else? one. Um, they still have time to recover. They're only in the fourth. But speaking of hitting, right? So well, Buck's going to keep him until the eighth. Yeah, Buck has this problem with loyalty, which we'll get to here in a second. That's uh, okay. that's actually bringing up one of uh, my next points is Good. Tim Tim Beckham obviously he's continuing his hot his hot hitting he's up to 293 now on the year 18 home runs it's amazing what a change of scenery can do for a guy because this guy I mean he was a career like 250 something hitter uh, he was having his best year with with uh, Tampa Bay at like 263 when he came over and what's he been here now for a month and he's yeah. raised his average 30 points to 293 I mean, this guy, I understand, like, he's got some kinks <laughs> in his game defensively. Uh, this guy can make the the amazing plays, but it's sometimes when it's the routine plays where he thinks too much, I think, and he'll make an error. He'll throw the ball away because it's it's almost too easy of a play for him. It's the plays where he just reacts and doesn't have to think that he makes these amazing plays look so simplistic. Uh, but it's some of these other plays that you know make you scratch your head and make you also take what you had in J.J. Hardy for granted because on the defensive side of, side of the ball for J.J. Hardy, he was... I mean, as automatic as automatic could be. He he wasn't making the amazing diving plays anymore in the hole and getting up from his knees and firing over. But you knew if if the ball was hit to J.J. <laughs> Hardy, knees? if you knew the ball was hit to J.J. Hardy, it was going to be an out. There was never a throwing error. That was never a question right. with him. Uh, he's a great defender. He's one of the best at flipping a double play uh, in the league. He's also great at receiving from a catcher and being able to put a tag down faster than anybody I've ever been able to see I've ever seen. Um, so with that said, and again, us, we've talked about it in the past with Buck and his loyalty. I, I, I wonder what's really going to happen when JJ becomes available because there's really nowhere else to go for, you know, for him other than shortstop uh, you damn sure are not going to designate hit one of the worst one of your worst hitting players, the only way he makes it onto the field is as a defender. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Like I can't imagine they take Tim Beckham out of the lineup. You say that now, but I mean, like like we just said, Buck Buck sticks Buck sticks to his plan. Right now, Tim Beckham is is playing in replacement for J.J. Hardy. And he's and, doing a damn good job. And, and, and he is, absolutely, 100%. But Buck is the kind of guy that, for whatever reason, good or bad, he sticks to his plan, even if his plan is not working right now. We saw it last year. We've seen it this year. We saw it in the in the, in the wild card game last year. Why would you put a Baldo in 
to to try and win the game. You could he they could have easily put Britain in and won that game last year, but they didn't because it was part of Buck's plan. And that's that is classic Buck Show Walter is that he has his game plan. He's sticking to it no matter what. I guarantee you, uh, Tillman could have another three to five runs lobbed off of him right now, and Buck would not pull him out of that game. He's not. It 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 is what it is. Like and. That is the way Buck Walter operates. Oftentimes it works out in our favor, but there are times, and I, I think it's unfortunate that the times where it doesn't work out in our favor are the times where it really, really matters. It's not just some, you know, run of the mill average. Oh, it's 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 a no big deal game on a Tuesday where we're you know ten games ahead. It's always we're, when we're contending, when we are you know fighting for our lives that his stubbornness rules out and or you know his uh loyalty whatever you want to call it's probably a mixture of both and i think that he needs to start bending a little bit and be more of a game game time manager as opposed to uh you know plan ahead kind of guy well and and that's that remains to be seen i mean does he stick to his his guns and and be the manager that he's always been and show the loyalty that he's always shown and and cuz if that's the case then that means Hardy will be in the lineup and Beckham will be sitting on the bench. I just, I can't imagine in a, in a, in a series race that's this close that he would be that naive and, and do that. But you know, again, I mean, if I was, if I was Dan Duquette and, I t- and that happened, I, I'd tell him if you want to keep your job, you're not, you're going to play Tim Beckham. Right. I mean, my thing is you play the best players yeah. that give you the chance to win and, Right now, Tim Beckham is the hottest hitter on this team, without a shadow of a doubt. So how do you take that bat out of the lineup? I don't care what you say to try to justify what J.J. Hardy's done over the past seven years since he's been here or however long he's been here. It doesn't matter. Tim Beckham is the best hitting player on this team right now. I mean, you know, there's – I understand and I respect the loyalty thing. Um, I get it. You know, you get a a veteran player that struggles for a couple of weeks. You don't just turn the card on him. You know what you're going to get out of him. He'll right the ship eventually. Uh, but you've got a player right now, like I said, that's just playing out of this world. You can't take him out. Take it back to Game of Thrones. Buck Showalter's kind of like a Stark. Does He does the right thing by people even when he probably shouldn't, and it gets him in trouble. <laughs> uh, couldn't you just lie? Just one little lie. <laughs> Uh, oh, couldn't you man. have just kept him back him in just just one just just a few more weeks you just keep him in <laughs> but going back to uh i, I kind of went off on a tangent there with tim beckham i really wanted to kind of hone in on how good this team is hitting um mr mr captain american america himself um he's been contributing as usual he's hitting right around his 280 with about 24 home runs on the year uh, Manny, he's raised his average 50 points. I don't know if you realize this. He's raised his average 50 points really? since the All-Star break. Yeah, he's hitting 263 now. I mean, this guy was hitting below, almost below the Mendoza line <laughs> before uh, before the All-Star break. But he's, uh, I want to say he's hitting almost 330 since the All-Star break um, with 24, or no, he's got 28 home runs uh, and 85 RBIs on the year. And uh, I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the year, 
And I said, they better find a place for this youngster, Trey Mancini. Oh, my gosh. Dude, they better not lose out on this guy because no matter where he goes, he's going to rake. Well, as a rookie, he's only hitting to the tune of 293 with 22 home runs and 70 RBIs. Currently has a six-game hitting streak, which he's hitting 498 during. Uh, as a rookie, remind you know, mind you, as a rookie, this guy's hitting oh 293 gosh. with 22 home runs. Yes, Fred, we're all very impressed that you you said that Trey Mancini was going to be good, and we're all very annoyed that every single episode of the podcast you'd like to remind everybody that you said that Trey Mancini was going to be a good. Yes, hey. we know, and He's I'm going to awesome. ride that train until he tells me something different. <laughs> And every time he hits a home run, you're going to get on our Twitter and say, say, hey, Trey. He just hit a single. Did uh, he? <laughs> but uh, easily, <sighs> easily the team MVP. And, and really, even a candidate for league MVP is is Jonathan Scope. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. I mean, he hadn't seemed to hit a wall at all this year. He's batting 305 with 28 home runs and 95 RBIs right now from a second baseman. I mean, we mentioned that last week. Um, those numbers are absurd. Really, the only other second baseman I've ever seen put up numbers like that is Robinson Cano uh, when he yep. was in New York, and that ultimately got him that $200 million contract. Um Like I said, man, if, they, if they're going to end up keeping this guy, they need to act now. It's just every day he gets more and more expensive. But that's it, man. I mean, it's uh, like I said, they're playing uh, Seattle right now. I think they, it's a three-game series at home. Um, Minnesota currently holds the second wild card uh, team or okay. second wild card place. They uh, they start a six-game homestand against the White Sox and the Royals. Uh, so we need to hope and cheer for the White Sox and Royals that <laughs> that'll be the only time of year that you'll ever hear me cheer for the Royals. Can't stand that fucking team. Can't stand a lot of douchebags on that team, but mm-hmm. we need some help. We do indeed. Uh, do we have anything in obscure sports that we haven't talked? Oh, freaking! we did not talk about the, uh, the, uh, the Cleveland, uh, Boston trade. Cleveland, Boston. Oh, you're talking about uh, basketball. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, only yeah. well, one of the biggest that, trades uh, in basketball history. That trade may be reneged. Uh, there's some. That's, that's racist of you. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> there are some injury concerns uh, surrounding really? Isaiah Thomas. Uh, yeah, I was wondering about that because when they when they made the trade, I was thinking that you know he had he had some injury issues, obviously, at the end of last season. Right. Um, so, so Cleveland, they're, they're thinking about canceling it? Well, Cleveland's kind of gone after um, Boston now to try to get more uh, from, you know, from the deal uh, to make it finalized. And I don't know what Boston said back to them as of yet, but uh, yeah, this could be the old uh, Baltimore physical <laughs> that comes into play in basketball. Sure, sure. You know, uh, where it could it could blow this whole thing up, you know, and. I was kind of looking forward to seeing uh, Kyrie in in Boston because I think that would start a good rivalry with because there's already a rivalry between the Wizards right. and Boston and John Wall and Kyrie going back and forth. I just I, I would I would prefer that. Uh, plus Boston, I don't know if you noticed, Boston signed Markeith Morris, which is the twin brother 
of the Wizards, Morris. Uh, so now, now you've got twin brothers playing on rival teams. Uh, just huh. it adds more to the the whole thing. I, I just think it. Uh, oh, that's just so clever. <laughs> I just hope the deal gets done. But uh, yeah, definitely a uh, a hiccup along the way. Huh. Well then, uh, I have nothing else for these people, uh, other than. Uh, no, I have nothing else for these people. <laughs> Tune in next week while we talk about Game of Thrones. Oh, wait, we won't because it's over oh. until 2019. Damn it. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we no. going to talk about? I have to find another show to talk about. I guess so. Westworld doesn't come on until the spring. I got kind of excited when I saw that preview, though. I was like, oh, it's going to be so good. I forgot about that show for like a minute. So when I saw yeah, the preview, it's, so, it's such a good show. It is a good show. Uh, hey, bases yeah. loaded, one out. Uh, Here we go. We'll see what happens here, folks. Anyway, uh, until next week, everybody, uh, be safe, be kind to one another, and uh, listen to that new T Swift song. Let us know what you think. Fred hates it. Garbage. Goodbye, everybody. I like it. I like it. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Taylor Swift. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs>